This episode was filmed prior to the passage of House Bill 1 and 2. As of April 1st, 2023, both bills are waiting for action by Governor John Carney. To learn more and stay up to date on recreational marijuana in Delaware, visit www.dscc.com slash legislative journal or contact our policy director, Tyler Michik at tmichik at dscc.com. That's T-M-I-C-I-K at dscc.com. The push to legalize recreational marijuana in Delaware has been going on for almost a decade. And despite being previously vetoed by Governor Carney, it's back before the General Assembly. What's the impact of legalizing recreational marijuana? Supporters say it will generate valuable tax revenue, establish new small businesses, including those in underserved communities, and create high-paying jobs. Employers worry about protecting their liability and the ability to test for impairment. We're going to talk about what the potential of a green rush in Delaware might mean, both for employers who may have hesitations and for those who are ready to embrace the industry. Let's dive in. Welcome to Conversations with Kelly, where we sit down with business leaders across the state to take a deep dive into topics that matter to the business community. I'm Kelly Basil with the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce, and today's episode is all about recreational marijuana. With me, I have Peter Murphy, partner at Sol Ewing, and John Gooden, president and COO of M. Davis & Sons. Thank you both for being here today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we get into the weeds, am I allowed to tell a joke? I did. <laughs> Let's have a quick message from our sponsor. The Conversations with Kelly podcast is powered by Easter Seals Delaware and Maryland's Eastern Shore, and they're marking a huge milestone, their 75th anniversary. Easter Seals is celebrating 75 years of creating an inclusive community, 75 years of first steps for children, independence for adults with disabilities, and support for seniors and their families. Easter Seals is celebrating 75 years of a legacy ensuring a future where everyone is 100% included and 100% empowered. And they're just getting started. Happy anniversary to Easter Seals Delaware and Maryland's Eastern Shore. To learn more or donate, visit de.easterseals.com. That's de.easterseals.com. All right, let's get started. I first want to give you both a moment to just tell us who you are, what you do, um, and kind of why you care about the topic of recreational marijuana. Um, John, I'll let you go first. Uh, John Gooden with uh, M. Davis. Uh, We're a mechanical electrical contractor that uh, specializes in the manufacturing of modular process equipment. Uh, marijuana, for me, first and foremost, is around impairment. Uh, the risk to, to employees, to team members, uh, seems wild, wild west right now, the way it's coming forward and, and very concerned about the implications on our workforce. Hi, Kelly. Uh, Peter Murphy. I'm a partner at Saul Ewing here in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, I focus on corporate transactional work, but in the last few years, I've kind of specialized in cannabis law, which is, you know, an emerging field and it varies a lot state by state, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an area that I think is desperately in need of, of counsel. And recreational marijuana in Delaware is not legal yet. Um, however, it has been introduced more than once in the General Assembly. Um, last year, it was vetoed by the governor. However, it's been reintroduced again this year. So we're all um, looking at HB1 and HB2. Um, so from a, a legal perspective, can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, what's in the bill? Sure. Yeah. So as you said, HB1 and HB2, they're 
sort of companion uh, legislation, which both legalizes uh, possession and use for uh, over 21 years of age, but then has to create the, the HB2 has to create the marketplace and the regulations for actually having a, a legal cannabis market. So um, they, you know, they both go together, but they're really the foundation for, for creating a new industry in Delaware. Mm-hmm. And medical marijuana has been legal for some time now. Um, so that's something that I, the state, you could say, has figured out how to regulate. What does it mean to regulate recreational marijuana in Delaware? A lot of people, I think, look at medical and recreational marijuana as sort of like two steps on like a continuum. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of states begin by legalizing medical marijuana and then eventually um, what we call adult use, some, some refer to as recreational. But really, I think they're two, two very different things. Um, recreational marijuana falls more into that category of alcohol regulation, th- things like that, whereas uh, the medical program is really designed to address specific conditions you know, that, that people have found marijuana helps with. Mm-hmm. So while I think there is a sort of uh, <clears throat> progression in that as medical marijuana is more acceptable, it's more likely that you'll pass recreational. It doesn't necessarily have to have to occur like that. John, you mentioned that this is an issue about impairment for you as an employer. Tell us a little bit more about that concern. Yeah, there's there's a concern there, uh, first and foremost, around uh, safety. Um, you know, uh, people impaired in a manufacturing environment in a construction uh, site. They're not only putting themselves at risk; they're putting the people they're working with at risk, possibly the public. Uh, recreational marijuana, does it make it easier to hit your car at break time or lunchtime, uh, take some and then come back to the work, workplace impaired? And then the, the real concern for us is, is the language around uh, how you test for impairment. Mm-hmm. So we get into a situation, whether it's for cause or a pre-hire and you're going to test. Um, right now, the, the definitions around impairment, uh, there is no .08 like you have for alcohol. Right. Uh, so we're in a situation where somebody uh, gets in an accident, uh, requires a, a substance test. They come up uh, with marijuana in their system. We don't know if they did it at lunchtime. We don't know if they did it Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, and have concerns about the, you know, where that's going to go from, from a legal standpoint. You know, uh, you know, do you end up in a wrongful termination stand, standpoint because you can't really determine whether or not they're impaired or not. You can just determine that it's in their system. I'm curious. So it's not recreational marijuana is not legal at a federal level. So how does that also affect then you as an employer? You have, I'm assuming, federal contracts. I know others do. Does that affect anything? And how are other states navigating that? We're we're still at the federal level. It's still requiring us to to uh, substance abuse employees on on contracts. Uh, most of the customers we work for on the private side still require that. So in Delaware, somebody like a Dupont, uh, mm-hmm. you know that's that's not changing. I, I haven't seen the latest version of of the the legislation. We're we're hopeful that the language is going to be in there that we can con- still continue to follow those rules mm-hmm. and substance test whether it's for the federal government or for a private entity. Uh, and run accordingly. Uh, what are you seeing with other states? Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, the, the points that, that were just hit upon are, are critical, right? Impairment, and I'd, I'd say impairment regardless of whether it's cannabis or it's prescription drugs or it's alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always, that's kind of the central issue. You know, we can't have, you know, people operating heavy machinery with impairment. It's, right. 
And, and there are challenges as far as that delay in having cannabis in your system and detecting impairment. But at the end of the day, I think it is something that we're familiar with in that you know, people abuse prescription drugs, people abuse a lot of different substances, and the risk of impairment is always there. Um, it's really, uh, I th on, the, on the federal issue, there, I believe there is carve-out language in there that to the extent an employer does have to you know, comply with certain policies, that, that that's, that's mm -hmm. sort of carved out of, of the legislation. I would expect that you know, mm -hmm. in a legalization bill. And you mentioned specifically that you are working with licensing. Um, say recreational marijuana is legalized in Delaware. Can you talk about what the bills say in terms of licenses in the state? So licenses, for example, like retail manufacturing, that kind of thing? Yeah, and I think there's also an equity piece to it as there well. There is, yeah. So that's been something that's um, definitely kind of front and center. When, when medical cannabis was first legalized, there wasn't a huge focus on social equity mm -hmm. uh, licensing, which is really directing licenses or at least priority in licenses to those who have historically been impacted by the by marijuana's prohibition. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> in the case of the current legislation, it actually does create two categories. One is a social equity applicant, and the other is what they call micro-business. Okay. Both are focused on Delawareans, making sure it's a, a Delaware-owned business. And the social equity piece is uh, directing a certain number of licenses based on the category. Um, to those areas that uh, were disproportionately impacted. Now, how that gets defined mm -hmm. <laughs> is up to the, the commissioner, who's, who's the one in charge of the licensing. But it's going to focus on places where marijuana arrest, incarceration, those sorts of things were the highest in the state. So, you know, with, with this being almost like a new um, industry in Delaware, there's also talk about this, you know, creating jobs, boosting the economy. Um, do, do you know anything about that? I th you know, I think those are kind of the two the two main pushes for for legalization as far as policy is is you know sort of social equity and justice and economic benefit. Mm -hmm. So the state would tax uh, recreational sales at fifteen percent. So um, you know, a lot of people have done the math in, in different ways as far as you know what does that at the end of the day look like for the for the state, but. The other, somewhat more unknown, is what does it do for job creation, mm -hmm. right? You're creating a whole new industry that involves a new supply chain that's, by by definition, because it's illegal federally, it's all in the state. It can't actually right. come from outside the state. So um, I think there is a lot of opportunity there. The way that plays out with licensing, though, can be... Um, I think people can get the wrong impression of how... You know, if you win a license, it's a golden ticket to, mm. to, <laughs> to riches. I think that that's sort of been perpetuated, but it really isn't the case in practice. It's, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a hard industry to do well. Well, and you mentioned that you do work in other states. So what are you seeing with other states um, in terms of, you know, the job boost and, and the economical impact? Or is it too soon for some of the other states? No, I think you definitely um, see those uh, economic benefits, uh, particularly in, in, in taxes, but a lot of it comes down to, you know, the health of the industry in different states is often based on how the licensing is structured. Okay. So you could have a state like Michigan that has a very um, uh, open licensing is what we would call it because 
they're not going to set a cap on the numbers. Mm -hmm. It's basically if you can get through the regulatory hurdles, you can become licensed. But what that results in is everybody, you know, a a ton of people coming into the industry and then eventually down the line that affects the, you know, price of the product. And, you know, you have a lot of, uh, you know, Michigan's one of the places right now where wholesale marijuana is the cheapest in the country. and, And interesting. Yeah. People built their businesses on it being a lot higher than what, what it is. Mm-hmm. So. Well, getting back to the impairment piece, um, D- John, you mentioned that there there is no concrete way to test for impairment in the moment. No. Um, so how are other states dealing with that? And, and by states, I should say employers in other states. Do, do, you, do we know? I mean, there there are, you know, there there are different ways of testing, but I think to John's point, the fundamental issue of um, of judging impairment is really going to, there's going to be a subject, subjective component to it. And yeah. I know um, certain bills and, I, and don't, don't quote me on this exact piece, but I know the idea of creating more um, experts in impairment, mm-hmm. law enforcement officers with specialty training and, and being able to identify that is, is a, a way of addressing it. You know, is it the, the best way? I, it might be the, the best way right now, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know that's, that's one way to deal with it. We, we've reached out uh, to other states, uh, to peers, uh, where, where it has been legalized recreationally. And uh, for the most part, they're, they're not trying to determine impairment. They're just following the, the rules uh, that they're playing by, which in this case, if it's in your system, uh, then you're considered impaired. Okay. Uh, we have seen training from a HR human resources standpoint around uh, trying to take that a step further. But that seems to move us kind of into a gray territory. I think you used the word subjective, mm-hmm. uh, which you know is, is concerning from a from a labor law uh, mm-hmm. standpoint. So, again, let's say recreational marijuana passes in Delaware. You know, we're we're setting up these licenses. Let's say you get the amendment in the bill. What does that mean? Yeah, there's a couple pieces that that are concerning to me. Uh, one, one of them is the, the generation that's coming up that this is going to affect. So, so people coming out of high school and college, coming into the workforce. Uh, I, you know, we spend a lot of time in the local high schools doing workforce development. And one mm-hmm. of the questions of the last few years I've asked all the high school kids that visit or tour our facilities, you know, if recreational marijuana passes, you're 21 years old, you uh, take, take care of business on a Saturday night, uh, you end up getting drug tested on a Wednesday, you're not impaired, but it's in your system. Can I, as an employer, legally fire you? And about 50% of the kids, rough math, say no. Say no, uh, you can't because it's legal now. So there's an education piece there that I think is really important with this next generation coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that workforce development is already tough. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take, say, half of the potential employees and take them out of the market because they don't really understand the consequences of, of recreational marijuana, that, that's also very concerning for us. Do you ask them the same question for alcohol? Yes. Yeah. Like, what's that's their usually, responses well, that's, for that? That's the follow-up. <laughs> you know, once you get the hands up, who says yes, who says no, and then uh, that's exactly where we'll go. Well, let's talk about alcohol. Can you go out and drink a couple of beers at lunchtime? Well, what's the difference? Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The word legal, uh, it, it really changes people's perception of marijuana. That is interesting. I haven't thought about that piece of it yet where, you know, I think we're still so focused on, you know, if it passed, what does that look like in terms of managing it? Um, But the education piece um, is definitely something that needs to be thought through. 
Yeah, and I would add that, you know, you, there are, I think you would face similar concerns with, um, you know, for example, there's, there's prescription drugs that if, you know, you take them on a, a daily basis, you know, for whatever the condition is, but would, would show up on a drug test as, a, you know, a cl- like the classification that includes like amphetamines, right? But it's a prescription drug. Mm-hmm. You know? I think we're going to, you know, we're going to have, we already have some of those, those issues, whether it's, it's a pain, um, an opioid medication or, you know, uh, an amphetamine medication. So I think it's not entirely new ground, but, mm-hmm. but, but I do see the concern. Mm-hmm. I want to give um, a little moment for our next segment, our combo connections, where both of you are going to give a shout out to a company or a person that you think is doing something really awesome in the States that you just kind of want to throw a little recognition towards. Peter, you want to go first? Sure, sure. Um, I think... Uh, I'd like to bring up Valorcraft Cannabis. They're a, uh, a Delaware-owned, uh, veteran-owned, veteran-run uh, cannabis company mm-hmm. that's uh, licensed in the state for, for medical cannabis. Um, and I, I really appreciate their thoughtful approach to the industry. You know, I think it's an industry that there's quite a spectrum, you yeah. know, and people have a lot of different views about cannabis. Mm-hmm. And, and they've taken a really responsible, very thoughtful approach to not only how it can help uh veterans in particular, but, uh, you know, what the industry should look like. John? about the American Heart Association? Uh, a lot of uh, great events coming up, golf outings, walks, 5Ks, all sorts of stuff there. Uh, yeah, very, very big supporter. Uh, I'm planning the Go Red for Women right now, too, right. so I'm also a big supporter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my shout-out's also on topic. Like, Peter, I was going to give a shout-out to one of our chamber members, First State Compassion, um, also deals with medical marijuana, but does a lot of great work in the state. So just wanted to give them a shout out too. John, if anyone were to need to reach out to you, wants to talk more about this with you, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, best way is probably through email. Uh, it's john.gooden, G-O-O-D-E-N, at mdavisinc.com. And Peter? Uh, similarly, the best way to reach me is through email, peter.gooden. Murphy at Saul, <laughs> S-A-U-L dot com. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today. I really appreciate the conversation and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Kelly, a show by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. If listening has sparked ideas, responses, or questions for you, reach out to me at kbasil at dscc.com. That's K-B-A-S-I-L-E at DSCC.com. Or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Visit DSCC.com slash podcast for bonus content from the show. And thanks to our sponsors, Easter Seals, Christiana Mall, and US Wind. And to our production team and sponsor, Short Order Production House. Take a minute to follow and rate or review the show wherever you listen. Your support and engagement keeps these conversations going. I'm your host, Kelly Basil. We'll see you soon.